0: You're listening to the New Song Students Podcast. I'm Jackson, and I'm the student pastor at New Song Church, located in Oklahoma City. We hope this message builds your faith and helps you to know God better in a greater way today. Enjoy the message. Come on, I know the worship we just came out of, and that was not enough energy. I said, make some noise. Come on. There we go. There we go. Welcome to Pack the House. Man, look to your neighbors. say, let's pack the house. Man, I'm so pumped. So pumped to be here in the house with all of you. Y'all look good. I see some neon in the room. Make, make some noise if you're wearing some neon tonight. I see. Yes, very bright. I see some new merch. Who's got their new merch? Who's rocking their new merch? Okay, I see you. Yes, I see I see some faces I know, I see lots of faces I don't know, which is super exciting, and I know we've already had a really incredible night so far, but let me just tell you, it's definitely not over yet, because we still got one of my favorite things on the planet after this message, and that is silent disco. Make some noise if you're excited for silent disco. Yes, we are gonna party tonight. It's gonna be good, everybody said amen. Yes, but before we get anywhere tonight, before we get any further in the service, man, I know we've got a a lot of new faces, first-time guests in the room, and I want to say welcome to you. Welcome to new song students. Can we make some noise for our first-time guests tonight? If you don't... If you don't know who we are, what this is, what, what's going on, you're like, where am I? I don't even know how I got here. If that's you, let me bring you up to speed r- real quick. If you don't know me, my name is Jackson Wilson. I'm the student pastor here at New Song Church, and, and I love you guys, and we are New Song students. And I want you to know something about New Song students. New Song students is a family, and we are a family of believers that are not playing around when it comes to church. Come on, somebody say Amen. We are not playing around when it comes to church. And at New Song Students, we know how to have a good time, right? We know how to have a good time. We know how to have fun. I mean, like Maddie said, we literally call New Song Students the best day of the week because it really is the best day of the week. So we know how to have a good time. But more than having a good time, we know that there's something more important about what we do here. We believe that when we make Jesus the main thing here, something special happens. When we come here and the the main thing is not just to have fun, not just to be distracted for a little bit and get distracted from the things that are going on in my life and going home unchanged. No, we believe that when we make Jesus the main thing, something special takes place. And so here at New Song Students, that's our goal. We Our goal is that every single student that calls New Song students their home and comes on a weekly basis, comes to know the real Jesus. Does anybody want that, to know the real Jesus? Come on. Okay. Well, that's who we are. And if you don't know what this is, this is pack the house. This is something we do a couple times a year where we shake things up. We add something spicy and fun and epic, but for the purpose of Jesus, right? And so we are super excited about tonight. I have no idea how you found yourself in this room today, maybe you have a best friend and they were like, yo, you ever heard of silent disco before? And you were like, don't know what that is. And they were like, it's dope. And you were like, dope. I'm there. I don't know if you were forced to come by your parent. And, and so you might not want to be here tonight, but they were like, come on, there's going to be free food. And you were like, say what? Free food? Because who doesn't like free food, right? That's right. I don't know how you got here tonight or why you are here, but I do know for a fact that God had a purpose and an idea and a knowing that you were gonna be in the very seat that you're in tonight. The very seat that you're sitting in was orchestrated by God. You were not here on accident. And so, even though this night is packed full of a lot of fun stuff, no pun intended, God's main goal in tonight for you is not that you would have a good time. Now, I want you to have a good time, because you know, we serve a really legit God. Like, He actually invented fun. Because like he invented dogs, and dogs are really cute and fun, and you can't invent dogs and not also be fun, okay? So we serve a really fun God, but I'm telling you, what God cares about more than you having fun here is you knowing him. What God cares about more than you coming here, having a good time, and being distracted by the junk in your heart that Jesus wants to take from you tonight, more than being distracted by that from a good time, Jesus wants you to know him. Jesus wants to heal you. Jesus wants to fill you with his spirit. Does anybody want that tonight? Come on. Well, this leads me to what I want to talk about tonight. I don't want to take up too much of our time. I know we've got something really fun planned for you guys, but is it okay if we just for for a couple moments crack open the word of God and and let God be the main thing tonight? Is that okay, New Song students? Okay, good. Well, we're going to do that, and... Uh, So I want you to lean in with me. If you're new here, something you need to know about New Song students is we love the word of God and we lean into the word of God. That means we focus. That means we set aside things that might distract us. Just for the next few moments, we lean in because the God of the universe wants to talk to you tonight. So lean in with me. And I say this to my students every single week almost, but I say it because I believe it. What we're about to do is enter into a holy moment. Somebody say holy moment. We're entering into a holy moment. What do I mean by holy? Well, holy simply means special. Holy means different. Holy means set apart. It means significant. So like, think about this. If a normal moment is like you eating a meal on a, on a paper plate, you know how when you let that meal sit for too long, the paper plate gets all soggy and nasty, and then you go in with your plastic fork and you break it? Has that ever happened to you before? Okay, so if that is a normal moment, then what is a holy moment? A holy moment is like you having a meal, but on your great-great-grandma's antique china set. You know what a china set is? It's like those fancy plates. Those plates that you only see through a a piece of glass, but you don't touch. A holy moment is you having a meal on that kind of plate. What does that mean? It's special, right? It's significant. This is what we're about to do. Because every time you sit with a a group of people, a group of believers, and you open the word of God, let me tell you, that's a holy moment. But I wanna, I wanna let you guys know that there was a lot of holy moments that happened all throughout the scriptures that people were a part of, but they missed it. They were in the middle of a holy moment. Jesus was right in the room, right in front of their very eyes, and they missed it. Why? because their heart wasn't in it. And so I just want to encourage you for the next couple moments, I'm not asking too much of you, I just want you to lean in with me. Whatever that looks like for you, take notes or just listen, but do it. Amen? Amen. Okay, if you're taking notes, the title of the message tonight is, Do You Know? Look to your neighbor and say, do you, know? do you Know? Okay, look to your other neighbor, really emphasize the you. Say, Do You Know? Do You Know? Do you know? Okay. We're gonna be starting off tonight. We're gonna to be starting off tonight in John chapter four. This is a famous passage of scripture that you're probably familiar with. This is the story of Jesus encountering the Samaritan woman at the well. Do you guys remember this story? If you don't, that's okay. Some of you guys are like, I don't know what he's talking about. That's okay. I'm about to bring you up to speed, give you the Spark Notes version. Anybody use SparkNotes at school? Okay. Yeah. SparkNotes are a gift from God. This is the SparkNotes version, okay? So I'm going I'm going to read I'm going to read at the very end of this story, but I want to I want to give you context. So basically what's happening in John chapter 4 is Jesus is traveling. He's traveling to get away from these groups of people called the Pharisees. Now, if you don't know who the Pharisees are, the Pharisees were these Jewish dudes that did not like what Jesus was about. Why? Because Jesus was going around claiming, I'm the Son of God. And they were like, no, you ain't. And they did not like what Jesus was doing so much that they wanted to stop him. They wanted to persecute him and kill him. So Jesus, in chapter 4, he's leaving the the, the Pharisees because he knows it's not his time to go to the cross yet. So he's traveling to Galilee. Somebody say Galilee. Galilee. He's traveling to Galilee. But instead of doing what any normal Jewish man would do, which is go around this town called Samaria because Jews and Samaritans hated each other. It was like legit racism. Instead of being a normal Jewish man who would go around Samaria, the Bible tells us Jesus does something different. What does he do? He goes right through Samaria. Why? Because he needs to meet somebody. Scripture says, Jesus literally says, I have to go through Samaria to meet this woman at the well. Long story short, we'll get into the, the details of this later, but Jesus has this encounter with this woman at the well. And basically he's like, yo, I know you're here getting some water, but I got like living water. (laughs) Anybody want living water? He's like, I got like living water. You don't want this tap water. I've got living water. And the, the woman's like, yeah, I want that. Can I have that? And after this conversation, she goes back, something special happens, miraculous. She goes back to her town and tells everybody about this encounter she just had with this man named Jesus. And this is where I want to pick up. Look at this. John chapter 4, 39, it says this. Now from that city, many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all the things that I have done. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they were asking him to stay with them. And he stayed with them two more days. Many more believed because of his words. And they were saying to the woman, I want you to catch this, this is super important right here. The people say to this woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard it for ourselves. Somebody say, myself. We've, it's not because of what you said that we believe, we've heard it for ourselves, Now we know this is the one true savior of the world. I wanna read this to you in the message translation and then we're gonna pray. It says this, we're no longer taking this on your say-so. We've heard it ourselves and we know it's for sure. I've heard it myself. Do you know? Let's pray before we get into the rest of this word. Father God, I thank you so much for tonight. Holy Spirit, your presence is in this place. And we just say, do what only you can do, God. Speak to hearts Your word is sharper than any single word a man could say. It cuts the heart. And so God, I pray that as we open up your word, that your word would speak through me tonight to every single heart about our relationship with you, Jesus. Open up our eyes to the life that only comes through you, Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Y'all hanging in with me? We okay? You hanging in with me? Y'all ready for this? Okay, I wanna start us off tonight. I'm gonna to ask you an extremely random question, all right? Extremely random, y'all aren't even ready for this. But uh, do we have any Shia LaBeouf fans in the house? Is anybody even, uh, Shia LaBeouf, the actor, come on. Raise your hand if you like Shia LaBeouf. Okay, I told you, I told you this was gonna get random, okay. Okay, maybe you're here tonight and you're like, I don't know who that is, Shia who, what? Okay, Shia LaBeouf is an actor, He's been playing in movies pretty consistently for the last 20 years or so, and he had his start to fame kind of earlier in the early 2000s with a show uh, that I grew up watching as a kid. Maybe some of the leaders know about this. It's called Even Stevens. Has everybody... Other... I'm just curious. Is there any students that have seen the show before, Even Stevens? Wow. Okay. Maybe you don't know him from this show, but another movie that... I remember first seeing Shia LaBeouf in, as a kid, Disney movie classic, Holes. Who's seen Holes before? (laughs) Digging up them holes, digging, digging up. Man, that is a classic movie. Okay, if you're still like, I don't know who this guy is. Obviously, he's not that famous. Okay, he was the guy, he was the main character in this movie. There was like three of them called Transformers. Who's seen Transformers before? This is what he looks like. Is this ringing a bell for anybody? Okay, last one. If you're, still, if you're still here and you're like, I don't know who this guy is still, you might know him from this last thing. About six or seven years ago, uh, Shia LaBeouf posted this random video on YouTube. He's standing in front of a green screen. There's nothing happening, no music except him just staring into the camera and screaming. And he's like, just do it. Make your dreams come true. Has anybody ever seen this before? Okay, this is Shia LaBeouf. Somebody say, hi, Shia LaBeouf. If you don't know him, this is who he is. And I bring this random question up. I talk about him tonight simply to say this. Okay, so uh, Shia LaBeouf has been a famous actor. He's been in the public eye for some time now. And, um, but recently in the last few years, He's, he's kind of had an interesting career. Some people have looked at this guy and they've seen him as unpredictable. They've kind of seen him as this mysterious character, kind of flies off the wall, does crazy things. People have labeled this man crazy recently. Well, a couple of weeks ago, I was doing this thing that if you know me, this is what Jackson does. I was scrolling through YouTube. Who likes YouTube? I was scrolling through YouTube and a video popped up and it had that really dramatic thumbnail and it just said, Shia LaBeouf converted. And, you know, the text is all bold and epic and the YouTuber's face is like. <laughs> and so you have to click it. It was clickbait. So I click the video and I watch it. And the whole, the whole story is about Shia LaBeouf recently getting invited to play uh, this character in a new movie being made right now about a famous Catholic priest named Padre Pio. Somebody say Padre Pio. That's a cool name, Padre Pio. And so in this video, it's an hour and a half long interview with Shia LaBeouf talking about his journey, stepping into this role, learning how to be this guy, Padre Pio. So long story short, Shia LaBeouf, when he receives this role, he's talking about this in their interview. He talks about how at the time that he received this role to play this movie, His life was a complete train wreck. His career was starting to fall apart. He talks about how he had pushed everybody away in his life, the closest relationships in his life. He had pushed away because of the crazy behavior that he was walking in. He talks about how at the time of this this opportunity to play this role, he experienced the most shame he'd ever felt in his entire life, so much, That he was wanting to end his own life so this is like heavy stuff right this is the this is where he's at when he gets invited to play this role the the, this character of one of the most spiritual men who ever walked the face of the earth and so at first when he gets accepted uh, to do this role he's like man this is my ticket back to fame i have to do this this is my opportunity to get my life back to get back in control so he says yes to play the part of Padre Pio. Well, the director of the movie's like, well, dude, I know you're not Catholic, and I know you don't follow Jesus or anything like that, so if you're going to play the role of this famous priest, I need you to go to a church, I need you to hang out with some other priests, and I need you to learn about what it's like to be in the faith. So Shia LaBeouf, he looks up and he's talking about all of this in the, in the interview. He looks up the closest Catholic church to his house, drives there, starts living out of his truck and just hanging out with a bunch of priests, okay? Now, time out. I just wanna clarify that I am not affirming Catholicism. I'm not, I'm not up here like we should all be Catholic or anything like that. All I'm saying though is that what happened in this interview blew me away, okay? Because the reality is sure, there are probably a lot of people who are in the Catholic church who are just doing it because it's culture and it's just religion or whatever, but there are genuine people who love Jesus, just in the same way that there are people who go to church here all the time who are just doing it but don't actually love Jesus. Can we go there? Okay, so just want to clarify that. Now, Shia LaBeouf, he goes, he starts hanging out with all of these priests and at this point in his life, I want to remind you, he's a very strong, agnostic person. So he doesn't believe in God. He doesn't believe in any of the stuff that he's learning about. In fact, he talks about how as he was hanging out with his priests, he enjoyed arguing with them. He enjoyed making them feel dumb about what they believed in. So he was kind of a jerk. And then one of the priests that was getting to know him, that was building up a relationship with him, just looks at Shy and says, hey, have you ever been told the gospel before? And is like, no. He's like, have you ever read the Bible before? Have you ever read the gospels? And Shia LaBeouf is like, no, I don't know what the gospel is. I've never read the Bible before. So this priest looks at him and just says, okay, why don't you just go read the gospels and then we could talk. Why don't you go just go spend some time in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, come back to me and then we'll talk. And so Shia LaBeouf's like, okay, I can do that. So I don't want to spoil the interview for you. I think it'd be worth your time to go back and watch some of it. But what happens is incredible. Because Shia LaBeouf, what he does is he takes the advice of this priest. And what does he do? He begins to read the words of Jesus for himself. Somebody say for himself. For himself. Not what people have said about God. Not what other people have told him about who Jesus is. He said, okay, I'll read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And he begins to read the words of Jesus for himself. And what happens is he begins to have an encounter with Jesus, the spirit of Jesus, for himself. Why? Because he chose to get in the word for himself. Are you seeing a pattern here? Okay. Okay. I want you to follow along with me, because I know we've just been talking about an actor for half of this message, and you're like, where is this going? This is where I'm going with this. What blew me away about all of this is that Shia LaBeouf is a 36-year-old man who lives in America, and he never heard the full gospel. That's crazy. He's a, he, he went 36 years of his life never hearing the real words of Jesus for himself. And what we see is exactly what's mirrored in the scripture that we just opened up in. Look at this. I want you to write this down. There is a difference between believing in Jesus based off of what someone has told you about him and you experiencing a relationship with Jesus for yourself. I wanna say that again because some of y'all did not get that. (laughs) There is a difference between believing in Jesus based off of what someone has told you about him and you experiencing a relationship with him for yourself. I mean, look at what the Samaritans say two days after they spent time with Jesus for themselves. Look at what they say. They say, it's no longer because of what you said that I believe. We've heard it for what? For what? Ourselves. And know that this is the one true Savior of the world. And the the reality that we see with the Samaritans is I think the very same reality that we see in far too many believers in the church today, especially when it comes to those of us who have grown up in the church, which is me. I'm right there with you. We can find ourselves believing in Jesus based upon what they have told us. Who is they? They could be your parents. They could be your friends that you go to church with. They could be your children's pastor that you remember growing up and listening to. For some of you, they could be me. Pastor Jackson, I could be that person. And let me tell you, that's a great place to start having somebody tell you about Jesus. But God is not interested in a relationship with you based off what other people have said about him. That's not what he's interested in. He wants you to know him. Have you ever known somebody based off what somebody else said about them? Come on, raise your hands. Have you ever known somebody only based off what somebody else has said about them? and maybe what they told you about this person was like they told you one thing about them. So because you knew this one thing about them, you started treating them a certain way, right? But then what happens? Well, you get to know the person for yourself, and sometimes you realize what they told you wasn't actually where they're at. Has that ever happened to you before? So what happens in this moment? Here's the danger of that. You end up having a belief about somebody that's not based on who they actually are. It's not based on the source. And that dictates how you relate to the source. And this very thing happens with every single human being when it comes to God. Because it doesn't matter if you grew up in America, doesn't matter if you grew up in church or you didn't grow up in church. Because every single person has a belief about God that starts off with what people have said about him. And that's totally fine to start off that way. Because you know what? Sometimes we can't control what people tell us about God, but it's not okay to stay there because many of us find ourselves letting other people dictate who Jesus is for us instead of actually knowing Jesus for ourselves. And this causes us to treat God differently than we're actually made to connect with him. And so what happens is we end up having a ton of people who believe in God, maybe even a ton of people who believe in Jesus but their belief in him is not built upon their source of a relationship with him. It's built upon what? What people have said about him. So my message tonight is very simple, New Song students. And my question for you tonight is also very simple, but it is gonna require some legit honesty on your part. Can I ask you this question? I'm asking it for all of us tonight, me included. Look at this. Do you know Jesus for yourself? Do you know Jesus for yourself? Because if, we're, if we were to take an honest look at our walk with Jesus, what you believe in about him, what is it really built on? Is it built on weekend services? Is it built on your parents' faith? Is it built on the faith that your friends have? Is it built on summer camp experiences? None of those things are bad, but none of those things are the source. Or do you know Jesus for yourself? Have you read his words for yourself? Have you experienced God not just as the Savior of the whole world, but as Savior of your world? Have you experienced Jesus in that way? The good news about Jesus is he's amazing. He's amazing. And all of us, every single person comes to Jesus with different beliefs about him, and some of them are wrong. But here's how awesome Jesus is. It doesn't take that much time to spend with Jesus before he starts to show you who he actually is. But you have to make that choice. Nobody else can make you make that choice. You have to choose to know him. But when you do, the good news is he'll show you exactly who he is. Amen. So here's what I wanna do tonight. I really just wanna take a few minutes to go back to John chapter four and I wanna look at four myths about who Jesus is. Because what we see is we see this Samaritan woman coming to know Jesus and she has some ideas about who he is and they're different. They rub up against who Jesus actually is. But she knows Jesus after this encounter. And so I wanna look at these three myths and then we'll close. Are you guys hanging in with me? Okay, if you're taking notes, write this down. Myth number one. Jesus came to make my life easier. Jesus came to make my life easier. Look at this. Jesus answered and said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never be thirsty. That water sounds good. I don't know about you. What is that, Gatorade or something? I don't know. But the water but the water that I will give him will become thirsty in him a fountain of water springing up from eternal life. So this is Jesus talking to this lady. She's he's really selling to her this living water. And so she's like, "Sir, give me this water that I will not be thirsty." But look at what she says. "Nor come all the way here to draw water." Yeah. David Guzik says this about this passage. He says the response of the Samaritan woman was logical, yet not spiritual. She wanted to avoid the work of coming to the well every single day. It was as if she responded, Jesus, if you want to make my life easier and more convenient, then I am all for it. Give it to me. This is basically what she says to Jesus. What happens when we fall into this first myth of relating to God, relating to Jesus in this way, is we're following Jesus, we believe in him, but our motivations for following him are all wonky because our motivation for following Jesus is not Jesus, I want to know you. It's Jesus, I want your benefits. Jesus, I heard from that pastor that if I follow you and do step one, two, and three, that I will get an abundant life. And that sounds good. And that is 1,000% true. Guess what? Jesus does offer every person who follows him an abundant life. Every single person. The only way to walk in life abundantly and fullness of life and true life is with Jesus. That's 100% true. But sometimes we think abundant life means an easy life. And here's where that becomes an issue. When we look at the abundant life biblically, it doesn't always mean an easy life. In fact, there are so many people who, in Scripture, them choosing to follow Jesus actually meant their life was going to be way harder. It meant that they were going to be persecuted for following Jesus. They might have had to give some stuff away. Some people, because they followed Jesus, they died. So you're like, "Uh, uh, what? Hold on. Abundant life? Here's the thing, though. Just because their life didn't get easier didn't mean they didn't have an abundant life. And This is where we struggle in America today. We think that abundant means stuff and, and good, good opportunities and experiences. And I'm telling you, Jesus will take care of you better than any person. But just because you choose to follow Jesus doesn't mean your life will be easy. And here's, here's where this trips us up. Because as a pastor and as just somebody who follows Jesus, man, I've seen this too many times over and over again. I've seen people be disappointed in Jesus because they thought if I followed Jesus, my life would be easier. They thought, if I follow Jesus, man, I won't struggle with that thing anymore. I'll just be good. I'll be like Jesus. But here's where that that messes us up. When our expectation of Jesus isn't met because we think he's going to make our life easier, we think over time, well, I guess this whole Jesus thing doesn't work. And then slowly but surely, our relationship with God is chipped away. Why? Because it was a myth. Our, Our Jesus that we were relating to wasn't built on the source It was built on what we believed because we heard from somebody else. Myth number two is this. Jesus doesn't have standards. Jesus doesn't have standards. This is like the cheap grace view of Jesus. This is where you think like Jesus, he hung out with prostitutes and sinners. And like he was just a nice guy. Like he doesn't get in your business. But what we see when we read scripture is, yeah, he actually does get all up in your business. Okay. Okay. Because look at this. Look at what we see happen with the Good Samaritan. She says, please, sir. The woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. And what does he say? He says, go get your husband. And Jesus told her this, and she said, well, I don't have a husband, Jesus. And Jesus said, you're right. And the the one that you're married, you've had five husbands, and who you're together with right now, you aren't even married to them. You're living with them right now. You certainly spoke the truth. Now, I sometimes, sometimes I think we read this and we think, yo, Jesus, why are you such a jerk? Jesus, why are you getting all up in this lady's business? Like, calm down, Jesus. But I believe, I believe if we were able to be a fly on the wall in this conversation, we would see that this is not Jesus being a jerk. This is Jesus being direct. His love is being direct for her. And what he's doing is through his love, he loves her, you see, he loves her so much. His love for her is so real that he is not gonna beat around the bush about the fact that the way she's living is not God's best for her. So in love, what does Jesus do? He confronts her. He doesn't condemn her and say, you suck. (laughs) He doesn't condemn her and say, hey, you need to feel shame for what you've done. But what does he do? He confronts her in love and says, hey, You have been running to relationships over and over again, and guess what? You're still thirsty. You're still spiritually thirsty. You're still spiritually dry. You know why? Because you're not living God's best. And guess what? I have God's best. And Jesus was so in love with her that he points out the fact that I have a better standard, but the standard you're living in will leave you dry forever. Man, I think there are some people in this room tonight and you find yourself in a similar place to this woman at the well. You have been trying some things. You have been experimenting with some things. You have been doing some things to try and fill that void in your heart. Maybe it's been sin, maybe it hasn't. But the reality is, listen to me, you will be running to those things outside of Jesus till the day you die and you will still be thirsty you will still be spiritually dry. But what do we see here? We see the love of God bringing this woman a better standard, why? Not to condemn her, but to wake her up to the fact that, hey, I'm Jesus and I've got something so much better for you. This is our Jesus. The last one is this, myth number three. I need to clean up my life first. I need to clean up my life first. And I want to invite the band to come up as we get ready to close. I want, I, this, this point is so important. I need to clean up my life first. This is a myth. Somebody say myth. myth. See, we, we don't know exactly what happens at the end of this conversation, but something miraculous happened. Are you guys hanging in with me? Yes. Can we do this a little bit longer? Something special happened in this conversation because even though this woman after this conversation with Jesus, was still living in sin. Like she had made no changes to her life yet. Nothing had changed about her life except for the fact that she encountered Jesus. Something changed. She left different from this conversation. And the Bible tells us that when she went to the well, she went at noon. Somebody say noon. She went at noon. Now this detail is actually very important for us because when we know what this means contextually, We know that, well, one, noon is the hottest part of the day, right? You ever been outside at noon? It stinks. I'm getting a sunburn. I'm getting back sweat. It's not fun. So she goes at the hottest part of the day. Why? Because she wanted to be alone. Because no woman of that day was going, first of all, alone. All the women went to the well together, but also nobody was going to the well at noon. So she's a woman by herself at the well at noon. Why? She didn't want anybody knowing she was there. Why? I think it's because people in the town mocked her for how many marriages she had been in. You know why I think she went to the well at noon? Because she was embarrassed because of the mistakes she had made. She went to the well at noon because she did not want anybody mocking her because she had been through five failed marriages, right? Her life was a wreck. So she goes to the well when nobody's there to be by herself because she's covered in shame. And then what happens? Jesus enters the picture. Jesus shows up at the well and what do we see happen? Well, we don't know what happens at the end of her conversation, but afterwards, before she didn't want anybody to know who she was. But now she runs back to the town and she's literally telling everybody, come see the man who told me everything I ever did. She's basically saying, hey, come and and see the man who pointed out all the junk in my life. Would you say something changed in her heart? Something changed, something miraculously changed. And some of you are in the room tonight and I believe that this is where you find yourself. You feel like, well, yeah, God has a, perfect standard, a perfect way for me to live. But in order to be accepted by Jesus, I need to do step one, step two, step three. I need to read my Bible more. I need to pray more. I need to earn this thing so I can have what Jesus offers me. But listen to me, we're talking about three myths tonight. These are very important for us to all grasp. If your relationship with Jesus is built on the myth that Jesus will make my life easier, then listen, when the trials come, which they will, you'll leave Jesus because he didn't fix them immediately. Myth number two, what was it? Cheap grace. God doesn't have a standard for me. If you live your life relating to God with this standard, God doesn't have a, a, a standard for me that's better. Guess what? You'll never know the truth and then you'll never be free because what does scripture say? It's the truth that sets you free. And myth number three is this, what? It's If my life with Jesus is, is, is built upon me cleaning up my life before I know Jesus, then guess what? you have now taken the place of savior. Now, Jesus isn't your savior. You have to be your savior. But guess what? You and I are really bad saviors, but Jesus is a really good savior. And Jesus is in this room tonight. And man, I don't know who's here tonight, who needs to do this decision, who needs to make this decision tonight. But some of you, if you would just be honest with yourselves, you don't know Jesus for yourself. You know a lot about Jesus. Maybe you even believe in Jesus. You've raised your hand. You've done all the stuff. But you don't know Jesus for yourself. There is a, there's a decision that you get to make tonight. And it needs to be based off of who Jesus actually is. Really quickly, before we close, this is who Jesus actually is. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Jesus seeks you. Jesus seeks you first. Scripture says that Jesus is at the door of your heart and he is knocking. And he's saying, Hey, can I come in tonight? Hey, Can I come in? And and scripture makes it very clear. Jesus will not bust his way into your heart. He will not like FBI, kick his door, kick the door down of your heart and come in unless you let him. But the good news is scripture says, Christ went to the cross when we were still sinners. So Jesus seeks you way before you seek him. Second thing Jesus does is this, Jesus exposes your sin. Sometimes we don't like to talk about this, but this is what's most important. You know, you know John 3.16? The most like famous verse ever? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. You know that, right? You know, if you we always stop at verse 16, but if you just keep going a little bit further, it says that the light came into the world and exposes darkness. The light was Jesus. And it says that the world didn't like the light because it exposed their sin. So here's what you gotta understand about Jesus. Jesus is so perfect that when you invite him into your life, you start to see all the junk in your heart. But here's why that's actually good news. That's good news because what you're supposed to do is give that to Jesus. Because Jesus says, hey, if you would give me that, then I can give you living water, because this is the next thing you need to know about Jesus. Jesus covers all sin, all sin. If you will come to Jesus for real for yourself, there is not a thing that you could do that is too big for Jesus to cover for the blood of Christ. There might be shame, deep shame in your heart because of what's happened to you. Guess what? The blood of Christ is stronger. There might've been a mistake you made that you're like, man, I knew, I knew I shouldn't have done that. Guess what? I don't care what it was. The blood of Christ covers all, all sin, but here's what Jesus asks of you. Jesus asks for all of you. Jesus asks for all of you, not just, and we're gonna do this in just a second, but he's not just looking for your your hand to raise. He's not just looking for you to say, yeah, Jesus, you can be the Lord of my life. No, Jesus wants all of you. He wants you tonight. He wants you tomorrow. He wants you when your life is going great, he wants you. When your life is a wreck, Jesus wants you. Will you let him in? Do you know him? Somebody say, do you know him? I wanna invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes tonight as we get ready close.